Welcome to the March 20th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, and the sermon is entitled, Three Points of a Godly Life, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We're going to continue our study through the book of 1 Thessalonians, a letter of Paul. Take your Bible, turn with me there. First Thessalonians in your New Testament. We are taking a journey through 1 Thessalonians in these days, a great letter that the missionary Paul wrote to a little church in the city of Thessalonica, a church that he planted, a church where he saw many of the initial members saved and bound into that church body in that city. But Paul was not given the opportunity to stay in Thessalonica a long time because the city leaders forced him and the mission team out of the city so that he couldn't be with this new church. But let me briefly set the history of this little church in this letter. The missionary Paul had gathered a mission team and they traveled preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and they sought pioneer paths to preach to those who had never heard, even heard the name of Jesus. And they began their mission journeys in their home territory, their home continent of Asia. And they preached and they traveled and they saw people saved and they founded new churches there. And yet there came a moment in time when God miraculously redirected that mission team to another pioneer area in a vision that God gave to Paul. You can see the vision uh, in Acts chapter 16. But a man of Macedonia stood on the shoreline of a brand new continent and was motioning, saying, come help us. And he was talking about the continent of Europe, the continent next door to Asia. And that continent had never had a preacher of the gospel there. And so in a vision, God directed Paul and his mission team to go to a pioneer land and to preach the gospel in the continent of Europe. And so they immediately set sail, and they go to the shores of that new continent, and they begin city by city going through the cities and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They disembark in Europe at the city of Philippi, and they preach there. But they couldn't stay long in any one city because persecution and hatred drove them out of the city. The city leaders in these cities of Europe did not want a Jesus movement there. And so the mission team was hated and persecuted and punished and pushed from city to city. And the missionary men had a hard journey as they faced obstacles day after day, hated in their trek across the continent of Europe. But the word quit was not in their vocabulary. They never gave up. They were never pushed so far that they said, we're going to let this whole continent go to hell and we're going to go home. The word quit was not in their vocabulary, and they kept push, pushing forward on the continent of Europe. They kept moving, kept preaching. Church, I want us to hear this 2,000 years later. The word quit should not be in us as well. We are always to be pushing forward, moving forward, moving out with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot show me one place in the Bible where any Christian is told to quit the church. It's not there. Quit should not be in our vocabulary. When a, a Christian is told to quit the ministry or quit the church, it becomes a non-biblical act because the Bible never gives us permission to do that. And Paul has been run out of city after city, but he still loves these Christians and still loves these churches and even has a love for the lost who pushed him out of the cities. 
He loves this little church in Thessalonica. But he physically could not be there because of persecution. There was a price on his head, a price on the head of his mission team. So this letter then, 1 Thessalonians, as well as its sister letter, 2 Thessalonians, stands as his teaching tool because he personally could not be there. This is his tool to teach and grow the church in Thessalonica, a baby church composed of baby brand-new Christians, Christians that had been drawn out of a godless society, and they needed to grow in Jesus Christ. So this letter stands as Paul's instruction to them, and praise God, it still stands as instruction to us, and it continues to show us the way of serving the Lord Jesus Christ in our own society, in our own world, in our world of need and lost people. So open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's where we are today. This was a great teaching tool 2,000 years ago. It is just as needed in the church today as it was then. These words are so real, so true, they could have been written this morning. They are so new to us today. Now, one of Paul's favorite images is expressing our relationship to Jesus Christ as a walk, a journey. We are with Jesus in this walk of growth, this walk of sanctification. We're to grow in Him every day. You know, justification, being saved takes one second, one split second to come to Jesus as Savior. But then we step on the road of sanctification, growing to be like Him, growing to be with Him every single day, and that road stretches for the rest of our life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, Paul gives three very important ways that we walk out our faith with Jesus. If you take notes, this is where you start. Three very important ways that we walk out our faith with Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at these three ways that we walk with Jesus. Here's the first way that we walk with Jesus. We walk in holiness. Look with me, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 through 8. Keep your Bible open. We're going to go through 12 verses today. Look at verses 1 through 8. Our first step in walking with Jesus is a step of holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, start with verse 1. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye, ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. If you travel back to verse 1 that I read in that passage, it says that if we're to live pure lives, if we're to live holy lives, then we are always walking to please God. 
Our will is to be laid aside. Pleasing what we want is laid aside that we might please and adopt and adapt into the will of God in our life, that we walk with Him to please Him. Our walk of life as a believer is not centered on me anymore. It's centered on what God wants for me and for you in your own life as a believer. For us as a church, it's not about us. It's about Him, what He wants us to be, where He wants us to go, how He wants us to approach a lost world. Paul says holiness begins in a proper relationship with people. Now listen to this. A proper relationship with people is a beginning of holiness for us. One of the foundational truths of Scripture is how we relate to others sexually. A lot of churches won't preach on this, but here's the truth, and I'm going to give you the truth today. How we relate to other people sexually is on the foundational level of how we walk with God. And how important that is. Listen, the Bible confronts and addresses this as real life. Now, in the Greek society where Paul had traveled in Europe, immorality was rampant in the day. Marriage was completely disposable. The wife had no rights under the law whatsoever. It was true in Jewish society as well as Greek society. So the wife was absolutely disposable. She burns the toast, you can divorce her. Lovers outside of marriage was totally accepted in society. Older men kept boys in their homes in illicit relationships, totally accepted in European society. People worshiped gods of debauchery and immorality every single day. It was simply a gross society. But I want to tell you this. I was flipping through channels on my TV the other night, and I came across a show of men who dress as women. Now, that is a description of gross society, especially in the few seconds that I landed on that channel. Gross. A man in a dress is never a pretty thing. So if you watch that show... Put it in a trash can. It is of no account whatsoever. It's descriptive of the society in which we live. And that's not pretty. The European society was lost and the American society is lost. And we need to be missionaries there, just as Paul was a missionary in the European society. But in Thessalonica, there was this lost, immoral, gross base in society. And here's a brand new church with brand-new baby Christians living in the midst of that society. And here's the truth. Many of those people in that brand-new church came out of those lifestyles. Many of them had disposed of marriage. Many of them had had illicit relationships. Many of them had worshipped other gods, and yet they had laid all of that aside. When they came to Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, they left it all behind, and they knew they were to live different and godly and holy lives now. So Paul is building them up in what they are to be because of what they had to come from, how they had to grow in order that they could relate to one another correctly so they could walk with God. This was teaching that was needed in that day. This is teaching that's needed in this day. 
Look at Paul's words in verses 3 and 4. Chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Abstain, run from sexual sin. It's offensive to God Almighty. It's still true today, and we must address it, church. This is a topic that we need to hit head on. We can't hide from it. A lot of the American church hides from it, believing that we can invite illicit relationships into the church. Now, it's true. Every person is invited into the church. Every person. It doesn't matter their lifestyle. They're welcome here. But we're not going to water down the truth and give a lie in what a true life of God needs to be. And that certainly applies in a sexual sense. God did not create marriage as a cage. God did not create marriage to keep us from sexual freedom. But rather, God created marriage as a safe haven for two people to live life and to love each other and to have sexual freedom and to live in commitment, total commitment to one another. That's God's creation. That's God's life. That's what God expects of us. In verse 4, Paul says in the King James Version, possess your vessel in sanctification. Other versions say, control your body under the holiness of God. Maybe that makes it a little clearer. Control your body under the holiness of God. So Paul says the unsaved world out there enjoys immorality and enjoys illicit ways of living because they don't know any better. They don't know Jesus. But we believers know the Word of God. And we believers trust the Word of God. We are to follow the Word of God. And so Paul says, honor Jesus there in the way that you live with people. Be holy there. Do not dishonor and uh, defraud and abuse other people in immorality. Don't make a mockery of what God created marriage to be. Honor that institution as a creation of God. And live there in holiness. Here's the raw truth of the Bible. And I believe the Christian population needs to hear the raw truth of the Bible. If you're into some type of illicit relationship that's outside of marriage, run from it. If you're in some type of flirtatious relationship that can become this slippery slope into something that truly turns into sin, run from it. If you're into internet porn, run from it. Do not entertain that as a child of God. Let me ask you this. Why is this topic so important? Why is it that we need to concentrate on this topic? There's a reason. Because if you and I live a sexually pure life, it sets the entire bar and the standard for the way we're going to live with all people. Right there is the basement floor of how we're going to live. Our sexual lives also dictate what the rest of our lives are going to be. If we live in purity there, it sets the standard for healthy relationships throughout our life. It's on the ground floor with all people, the ground floor of purity and holiness and treating people with respect, not taking advantage of them. 
Paul sums it up well in 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. If there's a verse to underline in this section, it's verse 7. Underline this verse. For God hath not called us unto, into uncleanness, but unto holiness. Walk with him in holiness. So first place in our Christian walk is walk in holiness. It is a big deal. It's a big deal in your family. It's a big deal in your relationships. It's a big deal with everyone you meet. Walk with God in holiness. Here's the second way we walk in faith with Jesus Christ. We walk in love. Look with me to verses 9 and 10. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Now I want you to keep your eyes on that verse 9. And you'll see love in there twice. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. I like that. He is saying, you know this, church. I don't have to write this to you. I don't have to teach you this. You know this. This is supposed to be in your church. Brotherly love. The Greek word is Philadelphia. Of course, we get the city name, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is brotherly love, a respect for one another, an affection for one another. But then he changes gears at the end of verse 9. Look at the rest of the verse. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. The love there is agape. So he moves from affectionate love, Philadelphia, to agape love, sacrificial love for one another within the church, within the body of Christ. We're to love each other with affection, but that love is to travel forward so that we love one another sacrificially, that we truly love each other in the way that God loves us. I love the way Paul says that. It's so basic, church. You can't be the church. We can't be the church until we love God and love one another. It's that simple. That God never, never created the church to be a group of strangers. He never created the church to be a group of disconnected people who simply come in and worship, sing a few songs, pray a few prayers, go out the doors and never think about the other group again. That's not the church. The church is connected by love. Now look at verse 10 again. Here's what happens when love is in the body of Christ. Look at verse 10 of chapter 4. And indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So what he's saying to the church here in verse 10 is when the body of Christ is filled with love toward one another, then we're going to love each other inside the church. And when we walk outside of the church, we're so filled with love, we're going to love those who are out there especially lost people. We're going to love them too. We're going to love them with such a commitment that we want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's a passion in us. But it begins inside the church. The love that we need to take out the doors begins here. And we can't truly live and exist as a ministry until we love one another here. How important that is. That's Paul's teaching to the church, and I, I see it as so real and so true you know, I've seen that principle in truth over 40 years of ministry. When I came to Clifford Church, I, I started to love the people here. And, you know, on a, on a great day, you put a star on the calendar if you had 60 people. But I loved those 60 people. And I loved being the pastor to those 60 people. 
But one of the things I learned is the more I loved the people here, the more I began to love the community in which I lived. And now I have an overabundance of friends and people that I love who are not members of Clifford Baptist Church, but they're in this community and in this area. There's so many that I love, but the love began here. And that's where it needs to start. And when we walk into the world, we love Jesus and we love one another so much that we want others to be drawn into that love, especially lost people. And it takes us into the world. When, we, when you and I start loving lost people who need, need Jesus, that's where the fire of the church grows. That's where the passion of the church grows. You know, we can have all kinds of outreach programs. Let's meet in this classroom and do this outreach program. We can have all of those and fill the week and weeks with those. But an outreach program won't mean a thing if there's not love behind it. You have to love. Love is what drives the gospel. The reason you and I meet as a church today is because a Savior came for us. And the reason the Savior came for us is because He loves lost people. He loved me so much that He died on a cross for me. And it's true for you as well. We're here because He loved us when we didn't deserve it. And He came and died for us that we might have that love as well. If you truly love Jesus and you truly love the church, you're also going to love people outside of these doors. Because you don't lay down love when you walk out. Amen? It's part of us. It's our makeup. It's the gospel. You love people. You love the saved. But you also love the unsaved. You love those who love you back. But the Lord teaches us to love those who don't love us back. That's hard love. But we're supposed to be filled with that kind of love. So the first way we walk in faith is in holiness. The second way we walk in faith is in love. Here's the third way, Paul says, we walk in love. Or rather, we walk in faith. The third way that we walk in faith is that we walk in honesty. We walk in honesty. Look at the last two verses, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, that ye may have lack of nothing. Walk honestly with God. The Greek word for honestly could also be translated walk decently, walk properly. I want you to remember here, the Thessalonian church was living in a very wild, immoral society. Bodily pleasure and excitement and material satisfaction was rampant in that age. But not a lot has changed, has it? It still resides in this age as well. But Paul tells the church very practically, live an honest, decent, proper life, people of God. Verse 11, he says, study to be quiet. In other words, study God's word. Quiet your soul. Quiet your mind of all the influences from the outside, and we are battered with stuff from the outside all day long. He said, quiet down. Open your mind and your heart and study the word of God. Let it take root in you. Let it take effect in you. But ladies and gentlemen, you and I have to give that word time in our day. That's what he says to this church at Thessalonica. Give the Lord time in your day. Quiet down from all the mess you live in and give your heart to the Word of God. 
I ask you to do that, church. I ask you to do that. We need to do that. Also, very practically, to, uh, to live an honest and decent and proper life, in verse 11, he says, study to be quiet, but he also says, mind your own business. <laughs> Ain't that practical? Mind your own business. The church does not need gossip in it. The church does not need busybodies in it. Mind your own business. Do your own work. Concentrate on your life. Concentrate on your walk with Jesus. In verse 11, he says, work with your own hands. Provide for your own family. And, of course, Paul was a tent maker. And rather than coming into a community saying, I'm coming in to preach the gospel of Christ, so I'm going to sit here and preach the gospel of Christ, you, you support me. Paul would not have that. He worked with his hands, and he made his own way financially so he could preach the gospel in these cities. He didn't ask for a handout. He simply did his own work, and he, he did his own production so he could be feeding himself. I'm going to say this to you. He, not only did he pay his own way, not only did he model work, Paul absolutely did not approve of able-bodied people who let others take care of them. He needs to speak to our social system today. He never approved of able-bodied people asking others to take care of them. I say that's pretty plain. You know, it says it better, and we'll hear this when I get to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, If you don't work, well then, you don't eat. That's pretty practical, isn't it? I love the practicality of the Bible. Believer, live an honest, decent, trustworthy, productive, faithful life. So the three points of the Bible's Word on a solid, godly walk in your life. They're simple, but they're great teaching. Live in holiness. Live in love. And live in honesty. How simple that is. This prepares us for the steps ahead. This prepares us for the church in days to come. These are timely sermons right now for where we're headed your leader is going to be different, but you're still headed in the same direction that we've been heading for 40 years. Rededicate your life, believers, to walking with God in purity in your life, in love in this church that takes us to the world, and in honesty in the way that you produce for your own families. Rededicate your life to that. But today, maybe you're with me and you have to say, I, I want this solid walk of life but I haven't taken step one yet. I don't have Jesus as my Savior. And let me say, you can't live this life until Jesus is your Savior. You can't live this life as a lost person. It comes with the Spirit of God living your heart. Paul makes reference to that. Listen, every great journey has to start with step one. And if you've never come to Jesus, step one is come to Jesus as your Savior. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that he laid down his robes of glory in heaven, took on flesh, lived a perfect life on this earth, and went to the cross and died for you. The perfect Lamb of God died for you and me so that we sinners could be forgiven. I've accepted that gift, and I've never talked to a Christian in my life who've, said, who's ever said, I regret I gave my life to Jesus. I've never talked to one. Today, if you give your heart to Jesus, you will never regret that decision.
because he gives you purpose and life and blessing and meaning and a home for eternity. If you need him, if you're listening online today and you need him, I know you can't walk down this aisle, but kneel where you are and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're in another country of the world, you and I will meet one day because you accepted this invitation to Jesus today. We'll shake hands one day. We'll hug one day because we'll meet in heaven. That's the promise. Today, if you need him, you come. If you want to rededicate your life to him, you come. Church home, whatever the need, he meets us in this place. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you for this momentous day, Lord. But God's word leads us in this day and in every day to come, Lord, that we're to live in a walk with you. Help us stay on the path. Help us stay on the path in purity, in love, and in honesty. Help us be the church that you want us to be, Lord. I, I believe that this church, Clifford Baptist Church, is an amazing collection of the people of God. And I have been so blessed in my life. And I continue to be blessed and will be blessed for as long as you give me breath on this earth. I'll be blessed to be a part of this church and a part of the ministry of this place. Bless us, Lord, as we go forward in you. Bless that one who needs you as Lord and Savior. Perhaps today they're here and they need to walk this aisle and take a pastor by the hand and say, I need Jesus. We'll lead you home. If there's one listening by internet today, Lord, he or she can bow right where they are and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross to save me. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness, Lord, and I know you're the way and the truth and the life. There's no other way to, to salvation and forgiveness than through you. I'm sorry for my sin. And I ask you to forgive me and have me as your son or daughter. And the Bible says, if you'll ask, he promises that you will belong to him. Church home, whatever the need, bless us in these precious few moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.